Welcome to episode two of Marketing and Real Estate. I am your host, Sarah Ayala, and I am so excited for our guest. He is not only my fiance, but probably one of the most brilliant real estate agents and also one of my biggest mentors, and I know many of other agents' biggest mentors. So without further ado, James Monks. James, you have the honor of being my very first guest, and I know you had no other option but to sit down and do this with me, so thank you so much. Can you please introduce yourself, tell us how long you've been in the business, all that good stuff. Sure. Well, you're right. I couldn't say no unless I actually got in the car and left, (laughs) since we're doing this at the kitchen table. Uh, James Monks, and licensed since 1998 and residential resale since 2001. And how long have you been managing agents and how many agents have you managed? I think uh, 2004 started as an assistant branch manager, 2005 as a manager, and then the next 10, 11 years regional manager and just lots of great people and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of agents in Riverside and San Bernardino County. Absolutely, and I think that as agents, we focus a lot on successes. And I think that there's tons of success in real estate, but I think what's most important to highlight is those failures. So we know that we're not alone. Um, You know, because you live with me, that I have ups and downs in my career. Some weeks I'm on the top of the world, other weeks I'm not, but that's not uncommon. And that's not very different from your path either because we have many conversations. So can you talk about that a little bit and then please share a failure with us so we know you're not succeeding all the time. God, not even close. Yeah, the um, ups and downs, that's every day, every week, every month. I mean, you can have a great, great week and I'll fix a really terrible quarter. So that's the nice thing about real estate sales. But as far as failing and failing forward and learning from it, I'd say the biggest thing looking back after, you know, 20 years, 20 plus years, just knowing that the bottom of the market was there in 2008, 9, and 10, and not being uh, adventurous enough to buy more. I mean, that was the time that we all knew that it's never going to be cheaper than this, and realizing this is the time to leverage and take more risk and acquire more investment property. The agents and customers that you had that did take advantage of that, uh, where are they at now? <laughs> the beach. Yeah, they uh <laughs> They've done very well, and uh, they've been able to leverage those investments and do big things in other markets and retire. um, Some retired sooner than I thought, and some retired with more ease and comfort than they thought. So that's the beauty of investing in real estate. You know, the tenant will pay it off for you, and eventually, if you have enough of it, it makes your life very, very comfortable. Do you think there's any, like a bad time to invest in real estate? Like any time, do you think there's a perfect time? No, I, I really think it's it's never perfect. It's always gonna be something kind of scary or there's some hesitation there for whatever reason, whether it's income or maybe it's a personal or a family issue going on. But if they just continue to invest and continue to be disciplined with their plan, whether it's one house or 10 houses, everyone's goal, everyone's path is different, but um, yeah, just keep doing it. I think there, there can never be a time where you say, well, gosh, you know, 
it's been four years, five years. I don't need to do anything. I'm, I, th I think that should be part of the plan as being a great realtor is you have to suffer through your own personal escrow every couple of years, either as a seller or a buyer, because it, it's a very emotional thing. And sometimes we take it for granted because we do it, you know, 30, 40, 50 times a year. And it's like, oh, it's just, this is just work. It's, it's not, it's more than that. It's emotional. It's very, very difficult for a lot of families, depending on the situation. Yeah, that's so great. I'm glad that you touched on that because we've both had very emotional clients um, who drain us, right? How do you compartmentalize? Because you're so great at that. You're a great dad. You're a great fiance, a great partner. And there will be like crazy stuff happening in your work career and you do not bring it home where I do. So how do you do that? I think it just comes with time because I think all of us do bring it home for a while until you realize you know, you can't do that. It's just, it's bad for everyone. So you have to be able to turn it on and turn it off. Even though you don't turn off your phone ever, uh, you're still going to deal with things at nine o'clock at night. And, but the biggest step is realizing if you do have a real estate problem at 10, 15 PM, it's not going to be solved at midnight. So it'll remain a problem till 8 AM the next morning and let it be the first item on your list the next day, not you know, something that consumes you and keeps you up at night. But unfortunately, it'll take years for a lot of folks to work through that to be ready to just put it aside and open up that box the next day. Absolutely. All right. We're going to go back to the beginning for you. When did you get started in real estate? How did you get started? And when did you know that this was going to be your career? Because I think we don't realize when we're starting sales there there's a moment when it's like okay i can make this happen you know going from closing one deal every six months where you're barely eating and then you're like okay i have some momentum here when was that moment for you and let's talk about the beginning of your career mine was kind of backwards because when i first got my license in 98 it was because of a fraternity brother who was working at a resort company and selling timeshare and I thought, gosh, this guy's making crazy money. I can do this nights and weekends and after class because, you know, we all went to the same university and it's a really fun time. A lot of us worked together there. And instead of getting, you know, $10 an hour and a small bonus with each sale, you could get a nice percentage commission if you just got your real estate license and took the gamble on yourself. So a lot of us did that and turned out to be great. Uh, that company went through some changes and that helped me make the decision to join a different fraternity brother and my aunt who both were selling uh, where I lived, which was Claremont. So Claremont, California is a beautiful place and it was near campus and just thought this is the perfect job. I can literally walk around and meet people and I'm going to make a million dollars tomorrow, which wasn't the case, but <laughs> it was a really, really great start. You know, it's so funny is I had those moments too when I first started. And you know this because I started actually in your office as an agent. And so you remember how optimistic I was that I was going to sell 100 homes. And I still have that goal. It's still a goal for me to help 100 families a year. But you get shut down to reality really fast. But also, you can't compare it to other agents because you know agents that started and just like took off and they had what seemed very easy start. So what is your biggest advice to someone who's starting out in real estate as, as a mentor? Cause truly you're one of my greatest mentors. That's nice of you to say. Um, I think just surround yourself with the right people. You know, the agents that I've seen fail over the last 20 plus years, they're just 
They're great people, most of them, but they're around the wrong group. So if you have the right group around you, and that's everything from your coworkers to your family support system, it really, you know, it takes it takes a lot to stay positive and stay moving forward, even when the closings aren't happening and you've worked for four months and you haven't earned a check. It's it's hard. I just feel very fortunate to have done this at a pretty early age because um, I know as other folks transition into the business, it's it's a lot of pressure. Absolutely. I am really grateful too. When I started, I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have tuna, like the responsibilities. I was so lucky that my family, uh, mom and dad, let me live in their house and I had a paid off car. You know, I think without those things and if I had a lot more going on, it would have been very difficult for me. And, you know, just being super vulnerable, when I first got started, I didn't get a check for the first six months. So, my bills went unpaid. I had a credit card bill. I had some other things. My credit was probably around, I think 480 was its lowest. And I'm proud to say that I've gotten my um, credit up. I stuck with it. But I think in, in any sales job, like we're human, we make mistakes right along with our customers. And I think that's what makes us good agents too, is because we've kind of been there and worked our way up from the bottom. So with that, do you have a success story? Oh, also, when did you know that this was going to be like it for you? Like, when was your moment? A couple months in, uh, just realizing, you know, you get on a you get on a hot streak. You help one family, and then you have an open house, and you meet someone new, and then they buy something a week later, and then you're, you know, top of the hill when you're like, oh, gosh, I've got four in escrow, five in escrow, six in escrow, and it just, it's this overwhelming feeling of like, gosh, I, I can do this. It, it's the confidence. The confidence comes um, as you have your competence with different types of families. You know, you can't help the exact type of person. You can't just design your ideal client. You, you really go wherever, whenever, and it's, you know, picking up the phone and opening doors and doing all the good stuff to help people get what they want. Yeah, absolutely. So what's one of your biggest success stories? Ooh. Other than meeting me, because I know. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. Yes, you, yes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of transactional success stories, but just seeing the success of clients and helping, you know, second and third generation clients, it's shocking, like how much you can impact a family, especially a family that maybe didn't have the same opportunities that other folks have had. Mm -hmm. They can literally change their family tree with real estate. Mm -hmm. And it's been a powerful thing to watch from the outside um, kind of guiding them along. So a lot of different a lot of different little victories, but you know, there's, there's specific ones that jump out each and every year. So it's yeah. been amazing. Yeah. What has been some of your favorite moments being a manager and what are your watching people grow? Like what's been a moment or a agent <laughs> that you've really seen and you're like, okay, this is what makes oh, it worth it. Yeah. There's a ton of them, but really seeing them leave another job, you know, folks that want to transition out of other employment into real estate full-time and just see them kill it and destroy their goal and make double and triple what they thought they ever could. And I think something that's really funny that I've seen quite often is agents who initially have a goal to make X number of dollars who then are paying that exact same number in income taxes <laughs> two years later yeah. because they are doing so great. And it's, it's tough because this is a business where you are your own boss and as a sales manager, um, you know, you want to help guide and accountability is a tough thing because, you know, everyone's self-employed, they're their own boss. 
problem is they're the boss, they're the marketing department, they're the sales department, they're, they're everything. And sometimes when you bring in that accountability, it's, it's, it exposes people and it makes them feel vulnerable because they have to be accountable for, Hey, you didn't put in the work, you didn't put in the time. And so the results aren't there. So it's, it's a balancing act always, regardless of, you know, how many years in the business, the agent's been there. It's just, you know, you want everyone to succeed, but not everyone takes the steps. Absolutely. And because you've managed so many agents and been, a, you know, a part of a lot of agents story, what is that thing that you think make like separates the people who are the top producers producers versus the ones who end up leaving the business? Mental toughness. If they're not tough mentally, if they crumble when a deal falls apart, and then they want to complain about that transaction to 16 people over the next 14 hours. Mm -hmm. And they're just spreading that negativity and sadness, which I get it. I mean, it's, it's the best salespeople are just like the best athletes have a short memory. Mm -hmm. You hit a home run next at bat, forget about it. You strike out next at bat, forget about it. Just get back up there, mm -hmm. do it again. And unfortunately there's some folks that had really, really great years who then had an absolutely terrible year mm -hmm. and then never bounced back. It's, it's tough because the market's constantly changing. And if you don't change along with it, you will not keep up. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've been in the business for like 80 years, right? <laughs> I'm joking. But over the time and because you've managed agents, you've also done a lot of coaching, you know, Mike Ferry, Tom Ferry, Ninja, all everything in between. Is there anything that you feel like you've taken from that that's contributed to your success and anything that you would recommend agents doing? I think the the coaching component is critical. And if you go to any market anywhere in the country, typically most of the top producing agents are in some type of coaching or accountability program. And it doesn't matter which one it is. It, it could be Tom Ferry, Mike Ferry, Brian Buffini, the Ninja coaching program, anything. If they follow a system, they're going to have more success. If they're paying for accountability, typically they're going to be experiencing more success. Uh, not to say that you have to pay for outside coaching. A lot of great companies out there offer coaching within the brokerage, which is ideal. I mean, that really gets back to that accountability piece that they have to be accountable to someone other than themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Now, James is one of the most creative marketers, genius. No. I have, no, truly, yeah. I have ever come across. You can sit down with him for 10 minutes, tell him a little bit about yourself, and he'd have a whole marketing campaign for your next year. And probably to 10 to 12 terrible ideas that you should never do as well. <laughs> yes, and he does it with a lot of humor. and. You know a lot of charm too which is what got me but he is amazing so can you give us a little bit of you know that marketing stuff um, what you foresee in the next year being large what you've seen other agents do and do well and you think is great yeah i i really think it's just a it's you know marketing advertising everything it's about attraction and the attraction is you want to attract your ideal client and you have your circle of folks that already know you and the circle that don't and you need to be genuine to yourself and true to form both you know digital and in person you know don't fake it don't pretend to be something or someone you're not but how can your personality come through i mean 
the only salespeople that that fail and get out of the business are the ones that are just not helpful to others. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of successful agents that all have very, very different personalities. Mm-hmm. But the one thing they have in common is that they are passionate about helping people. If they aren't there to help another family, they won't make it long term. I agree. And also, I think that each agent is so different and succeeds in different areas, right? I've tried farming, like physical farming for so many years, never successful. I'm not very good at open houses, to be quite honest, but I can kill it on social media, right? And I feel like you kind of have to find your thing. Would you agree that one thing that's just kind of works for you and just do it well, perfect it and just do it constantly would you agree with that absolutely and that's that's the challenge is agents will try a little bit of this a little bit of that and then they give up or they find some reason i mean that's you know the old line of you either have reasons or results you can't have both mm-hmm. you know the results will come if you stick with your core group and I, it can't be just one it has to be two to three things it has to be you know the social media or the open houses and the sphere of influence it's all these different things put together um, the agents who just wait on one one pillar for the source of all business, I haven't seen that work uh, in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there, there's magic in every every piece of that puzzle, including geographic farming. That's mm-hmm. kind of the old school way, but it still works today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we have had what would be a tough year or an example of a tough year, especially in my career. I've never seen this. I've been doing this for eight years. Um, luckily I was not around in the dinosaur ages of 2008. <laughs> were you in high school? <laughs> it was in high school. Um, but during that time, I mean, those were tough years. We've seen those, t- you have seen those tough years. Mm-hmm. Would you say that this was anything compared to that? No, no, this, this was a shift, a change, but nothing close to 2007 and eight, not even close. And what do you foresee the next year? Do you think it's going to be similar to this year? Do you think we're going to see agents leave the business? What do you think? I do see quite a few agents leaving the business, but everything that we're reading, all the data shows that, you know, even home builders, home builders and resale companies, they're all excited about next year and the year after. So when they're projecting big, big numbers for, 2024, 2025. I mean, just the rebound of the transaction count is very helpful. And obviously everyone's adjusted to the change in the interest rate and the adjustment for inventory is already being seen. We There's folks that are still buying and selling. There's, there's never a time where transactions come to a complete stop. It's just mm-hmm. not possible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what would be your advice for an agent who feels kind of stuck right now, maybe didn't have the best year? What would be your one piece of advice? Take someone to lunch or coffee and pick their brain. Someone who's doing well that you admire that will carve out 30 to 40 minutes for you and just start asking questions. Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's it's the reality that you are the average income of the five closest agent friends you have. So if your five closest agent friends are struggling or if you're the, you know, top of the list within your office, but you're not happy with where you're at, you may have to look around and say, oh, gosh, she's doing great or he's doing great. You know, it it is it's called co-op agent for a reason. We're supposed to cooperate Mm -hmm. with each other. And it starts with having a relationship Mm -hmm. and your introduction should not happen 
when you're getting bad news and your offer was declined, your introduction and the first time you meet someone who's a mega agent or just a strong agent that you respect, it should be in a social setting. It should be at a fundraiser. It should be at a city event. It should be at a chamber, you know, whatever it is, something that isn't business, because at the end of the day, it is a relationship business and it's very difficult to build a strong co-op agent relationship with people via text Mm -hmm. and 60 second phone call. It's a lot easier when you have that introduction two, three, four months or years before, and you can kind of reconnect and find out, Hey, how can we make this work for both of our clients? Because at the end of the day, everyone wants the same thing. Mm -hmm. Happy customers. Do you think there's a benefit to being in an office surrounded by people who are doing good in the business? Yeah, I think for the right folks. I mean, there's other folks that might come in and say, gosh, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the top uh, 25, so I don't want to be here because I'm not the megastar. So I need to go someplace where I can be the bigger fish in the smaller bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, that, and that happens, and that's okay. Um, but I think being around folks that are doing more and doing it better, it's like, it's like the gym. I mean, you don't want to work out with a bunch of people that you think are about to have a heart attack. <laughs> you you want to be around the people that are just, gosh, they are so fit and they're so great. Mm-hmm. And I want to try and emulate them and, and be more like them and what other habits and, and tips can I get from them? Absolutely. So. What's your advice for a brand new agent mm. or someone who's thinking of getting into the business? Um, I would say, you know, if it's a family situation, they better make sure their spouse has significant income or they have savings because, you know, they, like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. they need to be ready to go super, super lean for six months. Mm-hmm. Don't expect to get in just because, you know, your Mr. or Mrs. personality, you're not going to, you're not going to get an escrow done in the first 10 days. Mm-hmm. So don't expect to cash a check really, really fast. So have the savings. Uh, number one, number two, be in an environment where there's inventory, you know, inventory creates opportunity. And if you're in a place with very little inventory, you're going to have very few opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how this isn't more clear to new folks. And I, I meet them every month. Hey, I was at my buddy's place and, you know, they did 11 transactions last year. I said, oh, you did 11? No, no, the whole office. Well, there's 24 of you. Well, yeah, it was a tough year. No, that's not correct. You were in a place with no inventory, so you had no opportunities, mm-hmm. no, open, no open houses, no social media, no, nothing to support meeting new buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's, it's all about listings and it's about having that inventory to create opportunities for yourself. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, James. I do want to tell this story about you because I think it's so fun. Um, did everyone know that James was a real estate agent at birth, basically? Because he was such a fussy baby. And this is my favorite story that his mom tells. He was such a fussy baby and he's still fussy, everyone, if anybody's oh, wondering. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he was such a fussy baby that his dad was taking him on a car ride and um, took him around a couple of neighborhoods and they ended up in what would become his parents' neighborhood for how long did they live there for? Jeez. 40 years. Yes. Something. I mean, I mean, it's it's a while. Yeah. Just I think because it was out in the middle of nowhere at that time, you know, go past the orange groves, keep going, drive up a hill. Like they're probably thinking about leaving me. <laughs> like just get this baby out of the car, just dump him. He's fine. But uh, yeah, it, it worked out. They, uh, they've been very happy in that home for a long time. Yeah. So anyways, that's how they found the home because there was a for sale sign outside and his dad wrote down on a piece of paper and then went and called. The and olden days. The olden days. Yes. 
Well, you know, I do know what a Thomas guide is, right? And I feel pretty proud of that fact. But do you own one? No. Okay, never exactly. <laughs> never I keep one. two in my front seat just in case. <laughs> James is begging to go back to that era because he doesn't really love technology. Oh, yeah. Let me let me print out my uh, MapQuest directions and staple it together. I've got 16 houses to show. Wait, okay. How would you do that? Like, would you call your clients and be like, meet me at this McDonald's and then I'll drive with you here? Or would start, they also no. have printed out directions? No, no, no. You start at the office. Start at the office. Oh. And then it's like, uh, it's like Oregon Trail. Like, just do not get separated. If we get separated, <laughs> this is what this is our plan. No. You stay stay within two car lengths. It was like a Jason Bourne movie the whole time. That sounds horrible. That was awesome. Wait, no, that actually sounds horrible. Now, no. what about writing offers? Like, would you have to do it in person with them? It was carbon copy. It was papers. I feel copy? like I'm talking to a very, very young person here. I you, am young. You're you didn't, welcome. You didn't. <laughs> it was it was a, a triplicate. So it's like you know you press hard. You know, there's three copies. Yes. And you tear it off. You tear literally like top copy. Then there's a copy for the broker file. Then there's a copy. Yeah, that's how it goes. Like a school permission slip. Like here's the parents' copy. Here's the. I wouldn't know. I never got to copy do. And I never. Here's the hard copy. Yes, I never got to do anything as a child, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly like that. So okay. you just hold it at the top, tear it, and there you go. That sounds literally horrible, but um, oh. I'm very happy. And everyone who's listening to this, who's a client or doing business now in this age, um, let's all be happy and give a round of applause for that. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Well, honey, thank you so much for coming on my new, new podcast. You're truly my first guest and my second episode. So can you just brag about me for a little bit? I want this to be all about me. Um, why do you think that I am credible and people should listen to this podcast? Oh, you're spectacular. And sometimes I wish I didn't have a real estate license so I could just refer you business oh. and be done. <laughs> I, I, you know, your, your energy, your enthusiasm. But really, at the end of the day, it's the empathy. You have empathy for your sellers. You have such strong emotions for your buyers, especially the buyers who at times can be challenged and challenging to get offers accepted. And just time after time, you do it. And I'm telling you, you're changing people's lives because their kids will have a different set of opportunities because of you and helping them get a home. I appreciate you so much and I appreciate that so much. And that brings us to the end. So thank you so much, James. Um, our next few episodes, I'm going to be talking about exactly that. How to get your buyer's offer accepted. Tips, tricks, all that good stuff. My whole buying process and how I can successfully schedule 27 showings in one day. James, isn't that crazy? Freaking insane. Yes. Well, thank you again, and I look forward to our next episode.